Well, folks, still April 20th, Holy Saturday. I decided to record a second chapter today, which is really the fourth chapter of the book of All the Diets Under the Sun by Guillermo Perez. I am Guillermo Perez, so I'm going to read the fourth chapter, which is Life Moves On. Um, I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. I've never been much of a planner, and I am still not outside of work, where I am very organized and structured. However, this came after many years of development, and it was very different in my personal life, where I was very much like to wing it. I had good friends to hang out with, and I had money because I had worked a lot over time. I took courses over the years at different colleges. I did not have the goal of obtaining a degree, as it did not seem that important back then. Work experience was still of higher value, and getting your foot in the door was the most important thing to accomplish so you could make your way by proving yourself over and over again. This is where I took specific courses to help me be sharper than the next person was. Business law, accounting, and specific industry courses helped me significantly improve my career. I was promoted to the retail counter quickly after being recognized for my work in the processing department. In those days, the retail counter was the next step to getting into the trading room, because all kinds of people came in and you had to think quickly on your feet. There were no ATM or debit cards then. People traveling internationally needed to carry cash or traveler's checks. There were always people in line, sometimes five to ten people deep, before we even opened the door at 8.30 a.m. The good thing about working at the counter was that I didn't have to put in the extra long hours I had been doing in the processing department, and I got to work more closely with Irving. Irving found working at the counter the most enjoyable part of the foreign exchange business. He was nearing retirement age and told me he would even work the counter for free because he liked talking with people so much. He had a way about him that made every little act important. He also treated all people with the same respect. I recall a woman came in trying to con convert some out-of-circulation currency for U.S. dollars. He was very polite and let her down gently. Then he turned to me and told me she was a prostitute, and someone had obviously abused her ignorance of currencies to get certain sexual favors. He told me she was already in a miserable place in life, and to hurt her more would only be like throwing salt on her wound. What a kind and gentle man. At the retail counter on my feet all day long, I was practically burning calories like an athlete. If I had a pedometer then, I'm sure the numbers would have been off the charts. I also played racquetball with my friend Gary at least twice a week, and I was in pretty good shape. I would go out to the nightclubs three to four times a week. This meant I started drinking a lot of beer. I began to put on a few pounds in spite of my activity, so I started to add more exercise regimes and even joined a gym. You would think that spending money on a gym membership would encourage me to go, but it didn't work that way to me. I tried to go at least three times a week. I ran on the treadmill, lifted weights, but I soon got bored. The atmosphere just wasn't conducive for me. Most people that were there were really on an exercise kick. It was like their hobby. I had no interest other than improving my physical health. This caused me to have no real pleasure in going there. And I didn't meet people there who would encourage me to go either. I felt like an outsider in a strange land. It was difficult to find the time to get there as well. Too many obstacles kept me from being motivated to go there. 
I eventually just stopped going and accepted that it had been a mistake to join. I began to look for things I could do on my own. I bought a new bicycle, a Chicago-made Schwinn 10-speed. It was the top of the line for the everyday cyclist. It was a deep metallic red. I looked at it with a certain awe that I was able to buy such a beautiful, crafted vehicle. The wheels shined and the paint reflected the light. There was something glorious about it. I loved that bike and still wish I had it. But that was not meant to be. Taking long bicycle rides on weekends, playing racquetball, and work kept the weight off. Riding a bike, however, was a loner activity, but one I enjoyed. It kept my heart and mind vibrant, and I loved the whoosh of the air as I sped down the hill. It made me feel alive and helped me get in touch with my thoughts, as I otherwise felt disheartened and directionless. There was also an excitement and challenge to it, but it wouldn't be until many years later that I would become a much more serious cyclist and would become an important part of one of the major success stories. Playing racquetball was another one of my favorite activities at this age. Gary and I played two or three times a week, as I mentioned. It is not a cheap sport because of the cost of our court time, but we were both very good and often invited others to join us. Gary's older brother, Vinny, played with us on occasion, and he was very competitive. This forced us to up our game, and after a few years, we got quite good and even eventually rivaled his skill. The crazy thing is that we would play racquetball in the evenings and then ruin a good workout by going to a bar or nightclub. We would eat anything from chicken wings to pizza while downing beers. When I exercised, I was burning lots of energy and so the fact that I was inhaling food didn't seem obvious. I had no idea of the amount of calories I was taking in and I ate whatever I wanted. Often, we would be out until way past midnight when I had to get up at 6 in the morning to get to the office. Like everyone, I would later learn that I was only able to do this because of the energy that comes with youth. These actions would become another part of my ever-increasing poor eating habits. My weekend started on Thursday evenings. We went to nightclubs trying to meet women. I used to drink Black Russians, an extremely sweet and potent drink, and then to counter the effects with salty, calorie-filled bar food, I was feeling lonely and unhappy. The bar scene just was not for me, and it was hard for me to speak to women. I was shy and lacked confidence in myself, though others did not see it that way. I usually went for breakfast on my way to the office at the Essex Coffee House, right across from the World Trade Center. This cafe was filled with testosterone. It was intimidating. You had to know what you were ordering before you went to the counter, or they would start shouting at you. I recall work working up the courage as I looked at the menu and listening to others as they ordered. I heard what I wanted, and up I went. I felt like I was playing baseball. It was like stepping up to the plate, the batter against the pitcher. And if you weren't sharp, it would be three strikes and you're out. I'd been practicing to myself while observing, so I was ready. There I was, a skinny young man, a little kid in their eyes for sure, in a suit with all the courage I could muster up to step up to the counter. The guy shouted at me in some foreign accent, probably the Bronx. I shouted back, ham and egg on the roll, salt, pepper, ketchup, and a regular coffee. The big brawny guy with a beard stubble about six foot two just smiled at me and shouted the order back to the kitchen. Within seconds, a sandwich wrapped in aluminum foil flew overhead. He caught it, stuffed it into a brown paper bag with the coffee, and sent me off to pay at the register. 
It's strange how we appreciate the little joys in life so much the older we get. I went to that coffee shop hundreds of times over the years. It was an iconic location, and even when I no longer worked in the neighborhood, I wanted to stop by. I often arranged to meet people there because everyone knew it. I'm sad to say it was destroyed along with the World Trade Center and the horrific evil brought upon that area on September 11, 2001. I still love ham and egg on a roll, but it will never be quite the same as those days. Of course, there's no way I can afford to eat that every day at my age anyway. I'm overweight as it is. Back in those days, there were two restaurants I used to frequent. One was a great hamburger joint in the old New York City style, with a winding counter and stools. The proprietors were Jewish, so they also served delicious homemade knishes. Across the street was a Cuban-Chinese restaurant where you could get fried plantains and black beans with your fried rice. They spoke Spanish, too. I've not been to another Cuban-Chinese restaurant since. I'm not sure they even exist anymore. Well, working at the retail counter was as much fun as Irving made it out to be. But I will never forget the manager, Carmen Dufour, a Haitian immigrant. He was well-educated, and his English was perfect. And he had one thing that I could never match. He had a way with the ladies. He was a good boss and taught me how to take things in stride. He helped me to learn to be focused. Enjoy the work and people much the way Irving did, but focused on my weak communication skills. I was very shy, and he tried to bring me out of my shell. I didn't come out of my shell until later in life, though if I had when I was working with Carmen, I'm certain my life would be completely different now. One of my most important learning experiences came while working with Carmen. I was a head cashier. It was a very busy day. Hundreds of thousands of dollars had passed through my hands. It was closing time, and I went to count up. I was short by $5,000. This was a lot of money to me then and still is now. I looked for the error for hours. I was visibly upset, and Carmen came up to me and said, You're too upset to find the error. Go home, sleep on it, and it will all be clear tomorrow. I walked to the World Trade Center and got on the PATH train to Newark. I looked out the window as we passed through Jersey City and stared at the tracks to relax myself. It didn't work. Even when I got home, I still couldn't get it off my mind. My friends called me asking if I wanted to go out, but I turned them down. I went to my room and got out a book by my favorite author at the time, Donald Westlake, and read until I fell asleep. The next morning, my head was clear and I was totally relaxed. The answer came to me as I was taking a shower. There was a double entry on the blotter for some cash traveler's checks. I rushed to work to get in before anyone else to make sure I was right. Carmen arrived shortly after and saw me with a smile on my face and with his sing-song voice said, What did I tell you, my good man? I knew you would find the error. Lesson learned. A calm mind leads to good results. After that, I think Carmen put in a good word for me with the, the trading room. Within a few months, I was on the trading desk, learning the business and many aspects of the foreign exchange, precious metals, and private banking businesses. Working at the trading desk was a major change, not only in my career path, but in my lifestyle. It was the first time since leaving high school that I would be sitting down to make a living. What may have appeared to be a minor change is what turned the tables for me forever. My eating habits now began to make themselves evident. By this time, you should be seeing a pattern. I'm letting you see how I developed these bad eating habits over the years. And then 
Now you're going to see how I gained the weight. It's kind of interesting, kind of fun, kind of stupid, but I hope you enjoy it anyway. Look forward to reading to you again in the next installment of All the Diets Under the Sun. Take care. Thanks for listening.